Uh, welcome to the Love Sport Podcast Saturday Rants Edition. I'm watching my son currently do gymnastics. He's a five-year-old. It's a really good grounding for him to get into other sports. So this podcast does a few little rants and so forth about the weekend sports. Um, just more so my current feelings on different things. You can get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter. Uh, you can get us on the, the Love Sport podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, or you can follow us on We Only Pod When We're Winning or the Love Sport, uh, Love Sport podcast on Facebook. So put up with my rants and uh, we will find out what happens from there. So recaps around the world in sport are quite interesting and Australia has a quite a different uh, viewpoint um, compared to some of the other countries around the world. Now if we look at the world game, um, it's governed almost loosely by the financial fair play that I suppose in a, a minutiae explanation is that uh, can you actually afford uh, the transfers of players and the salaries that you're paying based on your gate receipts and uh, shirt sales and, and other revenue streams. Um, so it's kind of a bit of a fluid grey area in the world game. Uh, in terms of American sport, for example, uh, NBA, NFL and so forth, NFL does have um, a salary cap. The NBA does have a salary cap but has something we, that's called luxury tax. So. Uh, once again, small explanation of that. Anyone who wants to be more uh, legal about it and so forth can come over the top. But um, in that regards, that you know, you've got a set amount, and if you go over that, you've got to pay an amount um, that actually gets then distributed to other clubs. So that's in, in effect um, uh, an equalisation process there. Um, but in Australian sport. We have relatively small salary caps um, compared to a lot of other world sports. And I think what really frustrates me at the moment from an Australian rules perspective is that in regards to those salary caps, um, it it extends out to what they call the soft salary cap. And the soft salary cap is for, you know, employees and coaches and trainers and so forth. And I honestly think that we play obviously to win grand finals and so and, and so forth. But where is the actual competitive advantage of making regular money and having a hundred thousand members and all those kind of things? Sure, puts money in the back of the bank, um, allows you to build more facilities and different things. But it doesn't actually allow you to gain an advantage in that way. So. Yes, a salary cap on the field, I can agree with. I can see where you're going. But then you've also got the soft salary cap, which in effect, um, COVID being one of the great examples of that, actually costs people their jobs. So the soft salary cap affects you know, coaches' jobs. It affects everyone at the, at the club. Why would we want to punish those clubs doing a good job? Um, I just, I I completely don't get it. I think salary caps have to be reviewed. I mean, you look at the A-League and you can have a marquee player. Uh, A lot of clubs won't even buy a marquee player. They can't afford it. Um, So, you know, salary cap may potentially be keeping the A-League alive. But you have no salary cap and you're playing the financial fair fair rules. Maybe that does bring uh, massive foreign ownership and and money into the A-League. Maybe it is seen as a pathway to produce Australian players that get sold for a profit. 
the A-League doesn't have an internal transfer policy where clubs can actually ask for money for player transfers. Um, we'll go back to the AFL again and we see that um, players get back-ended large contracts and they either don't want to play at a club anymore or the club wants to move them on. And, and having a you know four to five year contract in a in a very tight salary cap situation has caused issues. I mean, I'm a Richmond supporter, so I'm not going to dumpster fire. I'm not going to you know dump on uh, Collingwood's dumpster fire. But I mean, they're a great example that probably planned that some of the players would move on. You know, let's get some of these good players in, win a premiership or two, and then you know with the back ended side of it, we're either in that winning um, you know mode, or we can move the players on. What happens when the players don't want to move on? That's what we've seen. So, you know, potentially you've got players like Adam Trelaw um, who are getting part of their money paid uh, by the Dogs and then part paid by Collingwood, which isn't, you know, the first time it's happened. But even after uh, Adam Trelaw had signed uh, at the Western Bulldogs and the transfer papers had gone through, Collingwood and the Western Bulldogs were still uh, arguing in that regards about who pays what. Well, I tell you what, I'd love your point of view. You know, salary caps, I get the process behind it. We're a very competitive sporting landscape in Australia. But what is the advantage of your club being run really well? Is it just a break even? I mean, what is the point of, of potentially making profits? I'd love to hear your thoughts. This is Paul from the Love Sport Podcast. Get me on Paul underscore football. And yeah, I'm just a bit perplexed. So you can tell me all the minutia. You can tell me what you agree on or not. And we can go from there. Peace out. team in sport that you just can't stand, uh, whether it's, you know, for me, it's the Lakers, not because of their history, just because they are expected to win. Uh, in the AFL, it changes for me all the time. I'm a Richmond supporter. You know, I'm told it should be Collingwood. I'm told it should be Carlton. But realistically, it's a national competition and it changes based on your rivalry uh, at the time. So, you know, for a little bit, it was Adelaide. Uh, right now, for whatever reason, I just hate on St Kilda. I think that they're um, they're picking up players really well. They made their finals run. I just think there's this. I don't know what it is. I grew up in Frankston. Uh, a lot of people followed St Kilda, and maybe that's just resurfacing my my hatred of the Saints. And um, honestly, I just can't stand them at the moment. Um, in in football, it's meant to be Sydney FC um, because I live in Queensland. I back for the Brisbane Roar. But for me, it's actually Melbourne Victory. Uh, I just, I can't stand their supporters. I can't stand the, the, the club for whatever reason. Don't think it's jealousy because we've won a number of titles. We've had some absolutely brilliant players, Thomas Broish and obviously Bessart Barisha when he first came to Australia. So it's it's not about uh, being jealous of success. I mean, as I said, I'm back for Richmond. We've had amazing success in the last few years. Um, obviously before that, massive droughts. You know, in, in basketball at the moment, it should be the Sydney Kings. I'm a Brisbane Boards fan, but I don't actually uh, see uh, the rivalry that others 
want to have with that kind of state-to-state thing. For me, just based on the games I've always been to, it's Adelaide 36ers, and it's just the way it is. We have close games, it's a rivalry. Uh, in English football, I'm a Villa supporter, so you know I'm supposed to hate on Birmingham, but I don't live in Birmingham, I live in Queensland. So for me, it's not the club so much, but their supporters at the moment can't stand Leeds. You know, Man United, of course, but they're struggling a little bit. Um, but it's it's Leeds. So are you meant to hate on clubs because of traditions and history? Or can you dislike clubs as a fluid motion? Because I think that's what modern sport is, that the reasons that we dislike clubs uh, can change year to year. So Melbourne Storm, you know, for many years it was uh, St. George Illawarra. Uh, I can't even speak properly. Um, and, and then, you know, you got Brisbane Broncos, but the Broncos lose to us consistently. So, you know, the hatred there uh, is non-existent. But then Manly, and then for me right now, right now, it's the Roosters. That could change in a few years' time. So are we bound by our traditions and what we've been told uh, about who we're meant to like and dislike and so forth? Or like the you know modern world of all the different apps and everything that uh, I'm told I should be using, are we now more fluid in our like and dislike of clubs? Let us know on the Love Sport Podcast. have a quick look at the EPL and it's not going to be any in-depth analysis this is going to be purely my picks whether it's a win loss or draw for different teams so let's go through this weekend Uh, so the Aston Villa Newcastle game scheduled for this morning was uh, postponed due to COVID uh, issues at the Newcastle ground. Smart decision with everything happening up north in London. Uh, Tonight we have Burnley taking on Everton and it really evident that needs to get back on track after a great start to the season. I do think they have enough. I think Burnley is a little bit rough down back. I'm going to go 1-0 to Everton there. Man City take on Fulham tomorrow morning. Uh, Man City just in marvellous form in the, in the um, Champions League. I think they'll go on and I think they'll beat Fulham 4-0. West Ham taking on United, absolutely mouth-watering. And this is how tight this season is that um, only a few weeks ago, um, both teams were under the pump and both teams are now well and truly up. Uh, uh, West Ham in fifth and and Man United with a win can go as high as second or third. Um, I think Man United 2-1 in a a game that could go either way. Chelsea taking on Leeds. Everyone's still raving about a Leeds team that, yes, it provides some good football, but is it actually um, tactically at the moment with Bielsa um, reaching the Premier League standards? Well, there's no doubt they won't get relegated, but, you know, a couple of years, I'll need a few years in and, and a few personnel changes. Chelsea in imperious form. Um, uh, Giroud, an inspired signing, sw- scoring four goals in the Champions League midweek. Um, maybe the Champions League will take a little bit out of Chelsea's legs. Um, I'm going to go 3-2 to Chelsea there. West Brom taking on Crystal Palace. Anyone can win this. I'm going to go one all draw. Monday morning, we have Sheffield United taking on Leicester. Leicester faltering slightly at the moment. Need to get back on track. I think they'll win 3-1 against United. Tottenham and Arsenal, the traditional rivalry. 
Tottenham in great form on top of the ladder. It's the kind of game that Tottenham, if they want to have aspirations to actually finish top two, need to win. Arsenal not in very good form at all. We'll go Tottenham 2-1 with a little bit of controversy. Liverpool uh, taking on Wolves in the late kickoff game there. Liverpool with so many injuries as we've spoken about. Um, and Wolves can play some really good football there. I'm going to go Liverpool 1-0. Uh, I think it'll be tighter than people think. Brighton taking on Southampton on Tuesday. I'm going to go a two-all draw there. Uh, tell us what you think. Um, obviously, I'm just purely speculating. Let us know on the Love Sport podcast. So we've just played India in a one-day series and it was really... Uh, mo- I haven't been interested in the, the 50 over format for a fair while, but I think it's a perfect kind of amalgam of the T20 tactics and uh, the the, uh, the test cricket game. So I actually really enjoyed the, the T20 contest and one of the big arguing points was about switch hitting. I say, if you're good enough to do it, do it. Um, about, you know, over rates, we'll just make it make a set rule. Let's, let's just do it, see how it goes. Money's not gonna be the issue. For a lot of these players, so you know, let's look at uh, run rates. Uh, sorry, at, at uh, reduced runs, or, or you know, we've got to have something come in because the financial disincentives incentives aren't aren't, aren't occurring right now. Um, but the T20s are in, and you know, I would normally watch kind of any cricket. I just don't care. We've got so much cricket on. Um, I'm really looking forward to the big bash because that is what the T20 set up for to help uh, realistically make the, uh, the state's money uh, in a modern uh, franchise, um, you know, blinking and miss kind of society right now. Uh, the T20 I know suits my kids who, but there's no way on God's earth, I've got uh, six kids, uh, we're a Brady Bunch situation. There's no way on God's earth I could get them to sit through a day's uh, test cricket. And they range between five and 18 years of age. But certainly uh, the fireworks, the music, the, the three hour time frame of a T20, which is exactly what that format is set up for, uh, is perfect for my kids. So take kids to the T20, I enjoy it. Um, you know, uh, I'm a Brisbane Heat fan, they win, that's fantastic. They win a grand final and that's fantastic, but I'm not gonna celebrate it the way I'm gonna celebrate an AFL or NRL uh, or A-League uh, championship. It just doesn't feel right in that regard for me. For others, if you do, fantastic, I am happy for you. But I cannot wait to get back and watching tests. Uh, from a purist point of view, it's that day of seeing the battles, um, you know, listening to the radio as you're watching it. Uh, I can't wait for the test cricket. Um, what about you guys? Vera Coley, obviously, um, going to be a big miss for the test series and it'll be interesting to see if someone can step up and, and have his uh, enthusiasm, but also the respect that the Australian um, public and players uh, give him as well. Um, so let us know your thoughts. Do you prefer the shortened format of the game? Are you a traditionalist in terms of test cricket? Uh, let us know on the Love Sport podcast. Go cricket. We don't like cricket. Oh, no. We love it. Maybe I should edit that bit out. So A-League uh, season starts in three weeks' time. 
um, and hasn't been a lot of hype about big name players. It's been some great news uh, in recent days. Melbourne victory into the final 16 of the Asian Champions League after you know uh, Sydney FC and you know basically Perth Glory and and then obviously Melbourne victory looked like they were going to miss. There's been a lot of um, you know, consternation in regards to how well we can do in Asia. We need to be honest. Being competitive, making the final 16 is a fantastic effort. We don't have the financial resources of the Korean and Japanese clubs and even some other countries as well. So we don't have as much money. So why then um, should we expect to go any further than, than we actually are at the moment? Yeah, for sure. We, we might leak late goals or we might not score enough and everything, but that comes down to money as well. Uh, money talks and you know what else walks. So the A-League season kicking off in a few weeks. We have clubs like Brisbane Raw who are moving out to uh, a rugby league stadium, Dolphin Stadium in Redcliffe. Uh, for anyone um, not from Queensland, uh, Redcliffe is uh, on the northern, uh, northern Brisbane area going towards the Sunshine Coast. So... Brisbane Raw having a lot of fans from different areas, Ipswich, Toowoomba, uh, Gold Coast and so forth. Um, that can mean an extra hour to an hour and a half to get there. Um, and you know, talking early kickoffs uh, this season for TV and everything. So in Queensland, not having daylight savings, you could be seeing a six o'clock kickoff after work midweek. And uh, there's no way someone working in Toowoomba uh, or the Gold Coast is gonna be able to get there on time unless they take time off work. So those kind of things, and obviously for other clubs, are going to have similar issues as well. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I think that uh, you're going to have cricket, you're going to have you know um, other sports on. You've got your American sports, your NFL, and and everything happening. Uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be another TV product for people to see over summer. Uh, could be the final time we see. You know, this is getting. It, the, the time frames that it's starting in, it, it takes it into the football season, or sorry, it takes it into the AFL Rugby League football seasons, uh, and then Super Rugby comes into play. So it'll be interesting once again to see if this is the, the positioning to move, kind of like a twilight, moving from the summer uh, spot and god damn it's hot in some of these stadiums to watch uh, watch a game of football and that's a funny thing from people overseas to, to realize but um, at a six o'clock game you could be in 32 degree heat with 80 odd percent humidity in Queensland it is really uncomfortable to watch a game but um, there you go there's my whinging bias on heat and I chose to live in this area uh, I think TV ratings are going to be extremely interesting to see um, and you know the change from FFA and the separation from from A League as well. Um, is this a make or break season? I think that's a pretty big statement. But I'm going to go to games. Um, I'll report on games uh, for you. I'll let you know. I am extremely Brisbane Raw biased, um, and that's uh, certainly um, going to come across. I'm, I'm not going to hide that bias. I try not to hide my bias in sport. If you're an A-League supporter, are you excited for the coming season? Um, have you um, continued to buy your membership? Will you buy a membership? Um, how important is membership to you um, in this scheme of things as well? And let us know your thoughts, who you follow, what you're excited about, what your football background is. Um, are you more excited about your overseas clubs in the Bundesliga or Premier League than you are A-League as well? There's that constant kind of battle. Do you play local football? Let us know. We want to know the flavour and colour of A-League. 
Um, I love my Brisbane War. Some of my greatest ever sporting moments have been, uh, you know, sitting in the summer rain at Suncorp, um, watching 10,000 people leave a grand final and then coming back to win and having those same people say that they never left. Uh, we love it. The world game, a beautiful thing. Okay, three things annoying me at the moment. Uh, VAR uh, being so nitpicky on games of football around the world uh, that, you know, it was there, is our understanding it was there for the clear and obvious, not trying to go against um, team scoring, but actually finding legitimate reasons that could have been missed by the referee or lines people. Uh, but it seems now that it's trying to find reasons not to give goals and so forth. So VAR, you're on my hit list. Uh, women um, saying that not enough people follow women's sport. Well, I absolutely agree. I'm a massive advocate for women's sport. Anyone who knows me knows that. I've worked in the, in the space for a number of years. I put my money where my mouth is. I go to AFLW games. I go to W League football games. I go to netball games. I pay to go to these games. I don't get them for free. I'm a massive advocate for women's sport. But you can't whinge about the coverage if you're not going. If you go to games, if you put your money where your mouth is, if you're actually doing those things and you've got a legitimate argument, okay? Because um, if enough people are watching women's sport, if enough people are going to these events, the coverage is going to happen. Because women, you are part of the coverage. You put your eyes on the games, you put your money on your seats, absolutely. We're seeing more women commentate on sport, on all different sports. Are they as good a commentators? In a lot of cases, they're better. They come in with a fresh set of eyes. They come in with a lot of research that they've done. They've not potentially lived on reputation alone. So that's brilliant as well. So that's these are generational things. We've got women's cricket doing absolutely brilliant things in the T20 space uh, and the women's uh, national cricket team is absolutely outstanding with so many players. I'm not going to go into the names of Elise Perry and so forth because the list is so long. Obviously, thank you, Meg Lanning, for everything you've ever done for the game, but there are so many young names coming through. Um, women's football with the Matildas, the women going overseas and playing in the uh, British Prem or English Premier League and playing in, in the US, which they have for a number of years. They're doing great things. So the coverage there absolutely get more coverage. Netball got um, more coverage than it has in recent years. Um, it, absolutely brilliant grand final, which, which I watched from uh, start to finish. And um, I think the, the two-point uh, goal or the two-goal uh, space late in each quarter um, is an interesting initiative. But one thing that did is get people talking, even people who, who have a small vested interest in the game. So women, I understand we need to cover more sport. I understand it needs to get more coverage, but the onus is also upon you. Put your bum on the seat. Look what happened in the Women's World Cup. One of the great events of 2020 was to see that massive crowd at the MCG, the celebrations afterwards, Katy Perry. It was one, if not the best event of the year. It can happen. If you build it, they will come. A bit of field of dreams. Third thing I want to whinge about here right now is um, the immediacy of um, posting uh, things on social media, not from us, but as a journalist. Get your facts straight. 
Get both sides of the story. Yes, breaking stories are fantastic, but don't purport to be a journalist. And if you're going to break stories without research, just say, hey, this is my personal point of view. This is not my journalistic point of view. Because breaking stories that are inaccurate is not journalism. Breaking stories that are inaccurate is against your ethical code as a journalist and what you studied uh, at university. So we all want to get on Twitter and find out the latest. But, you know, I'm starting to come to the point where I want to um, get the accuracy over getting the latest. I don't know about you, but they're my rants today. Happy for you to disagree. Happy for you to uh, speak to me at Paul underscore football on Twitter, uh, on Love Podcast, uh, Love Sport Podcast. You can get us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, That's my three and out. Thanks for joining us on the Love Sport Podcast. This is Paul, your host. You can get me on Twitter at Paul underscore football. Get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. We'll speak to you mid next week. Hopefully joined by John, Sean and Super Pete Novikowski. Peace out, peeps. Have a great weekend.